My friends, this morning we are continuing a sermon series looking at the Psalms, uh, which are a wonderful source for us of uh, words of praise in times of difficulty. And so let us continue uh, this morning with Psalm 63. Would you begin with praying with me? Gracious Lord God, your word is more precious than fine gold and sweeter than purest honey. As we turn now to your scriptures, send your Holy Spirit to infuse your word with truth and grace so that the good news of your love would shine before our eyes and delight our senses so that we cannot help but respond with wonder, faith, trust, and love. Through Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Our scripture is Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. Hear now the word of the Lord. O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips. When I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I am thirsty. How many times have you said that in your life? Being thirsty is one of the most basic experiences we have as human beings. It usually hits us the moment we wake up in the morning. And if you're not thirsty right at this moment, just wait a little while. You will be. Daily thirst practically defines our existence. Our consumer society has certainly tapped into this thirst You can't watch TV for long without being bombarded with commercials promoting some drink which will satisfy it. Go to any grocery store and just try to count the number of beverage options that are available. There are drinks with or without sugar, with or without color, with or without caffeine, with or without preservatives, with or without bubbles, with or without alcohol, with or without taste each one promising to satisfy our thirst. And we buy them all. I think the reason we try so many different ways to satisfy it is that 
Our daily physical thirst is really but a symbol of something much deeper. There is a profound thirsting in our souls that stays with us throughout our lives, which we keep trying to satisfy with a variety of products, relationships, and experiences, thinking that they are actually the source of our thirst. And so life becomes but a process of thirsting for one thing after another. The moment we are born, we literally thirst for our mother's milk. Then we begin to crawl around thirsting to be held and for anything to put in our mouths. Then we go off to preschool and we thirst for toys, for playmates, for attention. In grade school, we thirst for approval, for friends, for a cool bike. We enter middle school and we thirst for popularity, for the right clothes, for attention from the opposite sex. In high school, we thirst for good grades, for freedom and independence, for the right college to go to, for parents who have a clue. We go off to college and we thirst for home-cooked meals, for a direction in life, for adult beverages. After college, we thirst for a job, for parental wisdom, for a spouse. We get married and we thirst for the American dream, for our own home, for children. We have children and we thirst for a little freedom, for a little sleep, for a better job, for a vacation. We enter our middle years and we thirst for our 20s again, for time with family and friends, for retirement. We retire and we thirst again for a direction in life, for a job, for grandchildren, for a legacy. In our twilight years, we thirst for meaning in life, for loved ones who are now gone, for a chance to go back and do some things differently for bodies that still worked, for a little more time. And these days, aren't we all just thirsting for a little human interaction? And so we go through life chasing after the next thing that we think will quench our raging thirst. Yet no matter how many of these cups we drink, we still wake up thirsty every morning our parched lips proclaiming to us with prophetic force that none of these things will truly satisfy our parched souls because none of them can fill the place that was created for God alone. But that doesn't stop us from trying. And so our daily thirst, which was meant to be a continuous signpost pointing us to the one who created us and for whom our souls are really thirsting, instead has become a constant whisper in our ears that the next thing is going to satisfy us. And so we become manic in our attempts to quench our thirst. We go through jobs and relationships, even churches, thinking that the next one will be it. We try to add more things to our resume. We stash away a little more money. We find a better mate. We search for better experiences. We listen to better sermons. But none of these streams contain the living water which our souls were meant to drink. Not even the church 
You see, the church can never truly satisfy our thirst because it's really just a a group of thirsty people coming together to remind ourselves that what we are longing for can only be found in the water of life that comes from Jesus Christ alone, who said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. Those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty and the water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. You see, The church was never meant to take away our thirst. Rather, because if left to ourselves, we will always try to substitute something else for the living water that can only be found in Jesus. One of the purposes of the church is to direct our thirst in the right direction through worship and prayer and discipleship and stewardship. But when we try to make the church the source of the living water, we inevitably become disillusioned with it, blaming it for failing to meet all of our needs or desires or preferences. But the church was never meant to do that. And when we find ourselves having a lot of issues with the church, it is usually a sign of misdirected spiritual longing. Of course, the church isn't the only thing in our lives. We try to make fulfill a role that it was never meant to play. One of the most damaging things we do in our jobs and particularly in our relationships is to try to make them be something they are not capable of being. We keep expecting them to make us happy, to bring us fulfillment, to meet all of our needs, and to satisfy our thirst. But that's trying to place them on the Savior's throne where they are incapable of sitting and where they can only disappoint us. And whenever we do that, these things which were intended to be God's holy gifts to us, pointing us toward him, instead become profane. As Craig Barnes writes, we are accustomed to distinguishing between holy and secular as if they were opposites. But the concept of secular, which refers to things that are not holy, is a relatively new one. He says the Bible prefers the distinction of holy and profane. Since God created the earth and all that is in it, everything is holy as long as it points to the Creator. When we take things that God created and we pervert them for our own pleasure and our own purposes, we profane that which was given for a sacred purpose. So our money, which was intended as a holy gift for us to live and to share with others and to further Christ's ministry, it becomes profane by our hoarding of it and our selfish and frivolous use of it. Our bodies, 
which were intended as a holy gift for us to enjoy life and with which to serve Jesus Christ and honor God become profane by our using them simply to feel good. Our lips, which were intended as a holy gift for us to communicate with one another and to glorify and bless the Lord, become profane by the language we use and the way we speak to others and about others. Even the church becomes profane when we try to force it to meet all of our own personal preferences for worship or appearance or direction or mission rather than receiving it as the holy gift that it was intended to be. Everything we have was given to us as a holy gift from God intended to direct our thirst toward the gift giver who alone can satisfy it. But we profane these gifts by using them for our own purposes or by trying to make them be something they were never intended to be. Substitutes for the water of life. Even wonderful things that we do in the church like volunteering and teaching Sunday school and doing mission projects and joining study groups, which all serve a very important purpose, even they can become problematic if we begin to confuse them with the living water. As Barnes says, all of the spiritual disciplines of worship Bible study, service, and praying without ceasing throughout the day are ways of positioning ourselves near the river of living water. However, they are not the water. And we will remain thirsty if we become more preoccupied with our prayers than with the one to whom we are praying. But all these things that we do in and through the church have a very important purpose. As it says in Psalm 1, happy are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither. These practices of our faith are meant to help us grow roots beside the stream of living water that flows near our corner of life's desert so that we will not wither in the hard times but actually bear fruit for the kingdom. And don't we all at times in our spiritual lives go through a dry and weary land where there seems to be no water? I suspect that many of us are feeling that right now. And in our desperation to find that living water, we go chasing after so many different gods, searching for the one who will give it to us. But the gospel story is about the God who came searching for us pouring out his own life that we might drink the cup of salvation, the well of eternal life. 
But the only way for us to receive it is to stop all of our running around and our busyness, which are really just nothing more than ways of distracting ourselves from our thirst, and direct that thirst toward the God who created it in the first place. This is why time in the wilderness of life is an important part of our faith journeys. Throughout Scripture, the wilderness plays a pivotal role as a training ground for spirituality. And though none of us wants to be there, just like none of us wants to be trudging our way through a pandemic, it is in the wilderness that we learn that all the things we thought would satisfy us are really just mirages, promising fulfillment, but always evaporating in our grasp. In the wilderness, we learn to trust in the God revealed in Jesus Christ, who alone can bring lasting refreshment to our dry and weary souls. Do you remember when the Israelites came out of Egypt and started complaining in the wilderness that they were thirsty? God told Moses to go and strike his staff against a rock, and then water poured out from it in abundance. It was as if God was trying to tell the people that their physical thirst was just a symbol of their spiritual thirst, which could not be satisfied by their own efforts. Only God can give us the water that will bring life to our souls. Only the grace and love of Jesus Christ can satisfy our holy thirst. And when we discover that, like the psalmist did, then we don't have to try to make the other things in our lives fulfill a role they couldn't possibly fill. Instead, we can enjoy all of life as a sacred and holy gift. We can lie in our beds at night and think about the ways in which God has been our help and has protected us in the shadow of his wings. Our mouths can praise God with joyful lips as they were intended. Through a life of prayer and worship, deeply rooting ourselves near the stream of living water, we can bless the Lord as long as we live and experience the steadfast love of God, which is better than life itself. And when we wake in the night with parched mouths longing for a drink, we can pray with the psalmist, O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.